being 17 for most of my pregnancy, like you're still changing already. You're just a teenager. And so you're mentally and physically still changing. And then you throw a baby, (laughs) you throw a baby in there and all the things that come with that. And like, let me tell you, just like, I don't want to just disturb your listeners, but (laughs) go for it. Like the boobs and (laughs) the, all the extra stomach and like the stretch marks Mm -hmm. and the emotions and just the not being able to pee, like get up (sighs) and pee. Like it was just, yeah, I don't think I was truly prepared for what pregnancy really, really meant. Welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. So I'm really excited. Today, the guest who I'm interviewing is actually a mutual friend of a former podcast guest. So I'm here with Alex Noble. She is a mutual friend of Anna Rivas, who introduced us. And Anna's episode was called From First Date to Fiance. Highly recommend checking it out if you haven't yet. And Alex is going to be great because she is a podcast host herself. She was on the podcast They Used to Doubt Us, which I've listened to. It's amazing. It features the perspective of four millennial women of color. And I think that as she introduces herself, it'll be clear that she's a podcast host herself because she has such an amazing voice. So obviously she is born for this. So Alex, welcome. Thank you. I would like to say former podcast host. Uh, We don't record anymore, but yeah, the episodes are still up. So thank you for having me. Yes, of course. And I feel like once a podcast host, always a podcast host. It's like riding a bike. That might be true. (laughs) So I'm really excited to have you. And, you know, I think that you're going to bring such a great perspective because I actually haven't had any millennial moms on the podcast. And I think it's such an important perspective and opinion and experience to have. I've had one millennial dad, but obviously that's very different. So yeah, really excited to kind of hear about your experience. But first wanted to dive into, you know, what was the inspiration behind starting your own podcast and hear a little bit more about that experience? Okay, so basically, I had started or I had the idea of, of the podcast because I love podcasts. I listen to them daily. And I just wanted to kind of come with a different perspective, a different way to storytell from four best friends who were also millennial moms, young moms at that, and just our experiences with motherhood and its challenges and its just parts that are amazing. And so, yeah, I started it as a way to connect with other moms and to talk about what it's like parenting at this age and in this time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Nice. Did you have any favorite topics that you covered or favorite episodes if people want to check it out? You know what? My favorite episode is a tie between... We did one with another single dad. Mm -hmm. He was a friend of ours. It was refreshing to have him on there. The girls and I, we kind of went back and forth with him at a point in time, Mm -hmm. but it was nice. And then I also have another childhood friend on there, Gary. He was an actor, played on Even Stevens. And so that was a... Who was he? Yeah. So he was... I think his name was Nelson. Gary, don't kill me. Um, (laughs) I think his name was Nelson on the show, but he was like... The kind of, like, dorky one Mm -hmm. that was, like, Ren's, like, friend. Oh, 
I haven't watched in a while, so I don't remember him, but I kind of want to watch again now. Yeah. If you Google him, Gary Gray, he's there. But yeah, that was a super fun episode just to have him come hang out with us. And he also, you know, does acting and does these types of podcasts and stuff. So it was like having a natural in there just to, yeah, it was great. Yeah. I can only imagine. I feel like I would be intimidated in recording with an actor. (laughs) I did record with one actress and I was just like, you know what you're doing so much more than I do. (laughs) Absolutely. At a point it was like, I'm not sure who's running in this podcast, but it's going well. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I'm like kind of nice. Like let you take over for a while. I'm good with that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so those were my fun episodes. I really enjoyed those. Nice. Well, I guess we can dive in and I would love to hear just a little bit of background about, you know, your experience as a mom, starting with your children's ages and genders, just to give the audience a sense of your background. Yeah, so I have an 11 year old boy. Mm-hmm. He'll be 12 on the 9th, so oh, in a few soon. days. Yeah, so he's my big boy. And then I have a one and a half year old daughter. So they have a 10 year age gap, mm-hmm. which is super fun for me. Yeah. It's like having two only children, oh, you know? That's nice. So I really enjoy that. My experience with being a millennial mom. So I had my son when I was 18, mm-hmm. so three weeks after I turned 18, actually. Mm-hmm. So that presents challenges, you know, having a baby and being pregnant in high school. So I kind of think we grew up together, yeah. I would say. He was like my little best friend, my little road dog, you know. Oh. But also, like, I knew I was very serious about what kind of mom I wanted to be. Mm. I knew I wanted to be responsible. I knew I wanted to be caring. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have an open relationship. I wanted to be friendly, but not friends. Yeah. I just wanted to have a very open relationship with my son. Mm-hmm. So that's him. And then I have my daughter. And for me, after 10 years of not having a baby and starting all over, it's just really nice to be able to have a kid and be in a very comfortable place, yeah. more wise, you know, more experienced. And it's just been a dream. That's so nice. Yeah. Have you noticed any changes in your son since he's now an older brother? I imagine that's a big shift for him. Yeah, I think he loves it because I'm not as on him as I was. I give him a little bit more freedom. He's like, yes, I can be in my room all day and, you know, and I'm not so like into everything that he's doing. Mm -hmm. He definitely wanted a little sister specifically. Really? That's so sweet. He just really, for some reason, really wanted to have a sister. Oh. Yeah. So I was glad to be able to deliver (laughs) that for him. Pressure's on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank goodness it's a girl, so I don't disappoint. But no, he's super sweet with her and he's really hands-on and helpful. I could not ask for a better big brother. I do know that it's probably hard for him because he was an only child. Yeah. And so my attention is definitely split, especially in the baby age, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not like she's four or five. I have to do everything for her. But for the most part, I think he just loves being left to his own (laughs) devices. As an only child, I can attest to the fact that, yeah, your parents are all up in your shit all the time. All up in it. So I can imagine that's a nice break. And my parents, I remember I was hounding them to have a sibling and... I was young, so don't, like, give me too much shit for this. But they asked, they're like, well, what would you want? Would you want a brother or sister? And I was like, well, I'd want an older brother. And they're like, it's not how it works. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> I just bring that up to say, I feel like girls who grow up with older brothers, they're kind of set in a lot of ways because they have someone looking out for them. And I also feel like it's just a good way to understand what guys are like. 
Because otherwise you don't really know until you kind of hit puberty and it's so confusing because they're so different. But if you grow up with a brother, then you really have that insight. And I also just feel like girls who have brothers are cooler. Yeah. yeah. I, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I, I agree. I grew up as, I'm not an only child, mm-hmm. but I'm an only child as far as I was so much younger than my brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And some of us have different parents. And so it was like the attention was always on me. <laughs> And my older brothers were there to just beat me up and then, like, make fun of me. Mm-hmm. And, then, you know, but, like, for them, they get to grow up in the same household yeah. and, like, watch yeah. each other grow up and love on each other. And I am very super excited to, like, have her have that person and have yeah. him have that person. You yes. Know? Yeah. And it's, like, a lifelong bond. It's it's very special. Mm-hmm. I feel like I complain about being an only child too much on this podcast because it's, like, you're 30 years old. You need to get over it. But... Yeah, it's just really I nice. totally understand. Yeah. I totally understand. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things I did say growing up is like, I promise I'm going to have more kids than oh one. Gosh. Like, I have to have more than one because, you know, all that pressure of mm-hmm. being like the only child. It's, it is a lot of it's pressure. A lot. Yeah. Also, I've said this before. I wouldn't, I don't want to say I wouldn't. I would prefer not to date an only child. And part of it is I kind of want to like, marry into that like big family that I never had, assuming that they're not all crazy and they are welcoming and wonderful, which of course they will be. (laughs) But yeah, I just think that the holidays are really nice because it is an intimate time when you're an only child. But there's part of me that sees, you know, the big family traditions in Christmas movies or just in TV shows. And part of me wants to experience what that is like. I never thought about that. I have to agree. And now I'm thinking back, I'm like, have I ever dated an only child? I don't think I have. Mm -hmm. Because also family is like a huge thing for me. Mm -hmm. I always thought like, as that little person in my room by myself, like, if I just had all the brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. and aunties and cousins, like, it would be so much fun, you know? So that's so true. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, rule some people out, but it's fine. (laughs) Luckily, only children are a little rare. So yeah, that's true. Wow. Things to ponder. I know. I know. Things to ask on the dating app. Do Mm -hmm. you have any siblings? (laughs) Very important question. Very important. Mm. So going back to your description of your intentions behind the type of mother that you wanted to be, it sounds like you really had this vision laid out. And especially as an 18 year old, I feel like that's so impressive. And I don't think that there's any time that you are 100% ready to be a mom. I think even for people who are trying actively, I still don't think you're ready. It's just kind of like you figure things out as you go. Of course, I'm not speaking from experience, but I would just imagine you can't anticipate everything that comes up. So as an 18-year-old, I feel like there's even more to navigate. So what did it look like for you to get ready for motherhood at that young age? Yeah, I've always been what I guess, you know, the older people around me would say is like an old soul Mm -hmm. or like a very mature person. And I think that comes from being a somewhat only child and having that pressure to kind of, you know, you're around adults a lot. And so you sort of get more mature. Mm -hmm. And I was always super responsible, really good grades kind of thing. So I shocked most people Mm -hmm. by even getting pregnant at that age. But I did always know that when I had kids, I wanted to be a very certain type of parent. Mm -hmm. Of course, at that age, you don't necessarily have the financial means to be that type of parent, but I knew at least I would have the personality and I would have the control over how I acted towards the child. Yeah. 
So I knew, you know, I wanted to breastfeed. I knew I wanted to deliver naturally. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to have this type of relationship where, you know, my child could be whatever they wanted to be Mm -hmm. and have whatever, you know, sexual preference and sexual orientation and anything that they wanted to be. And I was going to be there 100% for them and be open, Mm -hmm. but also like not pressure them to just me be the only person that, you know, can make them happy and vice versa. And I think as only children, here we go (laughs) back to that again. But there is this weird pressure to like make your parents happy. Yes. And like, my goodness, (laughs) I can't take the pressure. And I didn't want that for my kid of like, I don't want him to be my only source of happiness. Yeah. And I want him to feel like he can be whatever person that he wants to be and he can make Mm -hmm. mistakes and he can do all these types of things that I felt like I couldn't necessarily do without like disrupting, you know, my parents' happiness. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you kind of dove into this a little bit, but I would love to hear more about, you know, what things your parents might've done or practices your parents might've had that inspired you either to say, yes, I want to continue this tradition and this practice or absolutely not. I'm going to do things differently. Yeah. So first of all, my grandmother had my mom at 32. Mm -hmm. My mom followed in her footsteps and also had me at 32. And then here I go shaking things up (laughs) (laughs) and having my kid at 18. And I just felt like my mom, she loves me Mm -hmm. unconditionally, but it was like just me and her growing up. She refused to date. She refused to like really have these big friendships that required her time. Mm -hmm. It was all about me all the time. Yeah. And I love that for her. But for me, I was like, no, like, I want to be in relationships. Mm -hmm. I want my kid to, you know, see what dating is about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my friendships that are going to be big parts of my life. And I'm going to go on vacation sometimes. And you're going to stay with your grandparents. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) things like that of like, I want him to see me as like a whole person. Mm -hmm. And not that I'm just his parent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that I grew up just be my mom's only role. Like, she felt like she could do was be a parent. Yeah. And I just knew that that wasn't going to be for me. And I think that it put a lot of pressure on me to just always want to make my mom happy because I was the number one thing in her life. Mm -hmm. And so I was never really allowed to not make mistakes because I definitely made mistakes. (laughs) But it was just like, I felt like I was just disappointing her or I was, you know, frustrating her if I wanted to hang out with my friends instead or if I wanted to like, you know, spend the night over a friend's house. It was like, but what about me? You know, I was just like, wait, (laughs) like I didn't want that for my kid. I wanted him to have his own life, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't want to take this as like, I'm bashing my family, but you know, our goal is to be better than how we had it. Mm -hmm. And I think my mom would agree with me that she would want me to be better for my kids than she was. And I want that for my kids as well. Yeah. I'm not perfect by any means. I hope I answered your question. Oh my gosh, you definitely did. And a lot of what you said resonated with me because of course, you know, it's the same experience as an only child on my end. And my mom made so many sacrifices for me that I'm still very grateful for. But my dad passed away when I was in college. And even before that, my parents were separated. So it wasn't as if, you know, my mom became single when I was like 20. Like she had effectively been single since I was in high school. Mm. And I've seen her date people here and there. I will say my mom, who I plan to interview at some point so people can get a sense of her (laughs) besides the stories I tell here and there. She's very particular. She's no nonsense. And doesn't take any bullshit from anyone, honestly. So I think that 
plus the fact that she hasn't really dated regularly, I think, you know, it makes it hard for her to find someone who she wants to be in a relationship with. So similar to what you were saying, it's like, I would love to see my mom be in a fulfilling, happy relationship that also just means that, you know, she doesn't have to rely on me. Right. And it's not a burden. I just want her to have more than just a mother-daughter relationship. Like, that's not all life is about. So... I can definitely relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Have you, here I am <laughs> podcasting. Have you like talked to your mom about it at all? I have. And honestly, she knows she will bring it up and she will say to me, I think sometimes, you know, when she gets in mom mode and she's like, oh my God, why are you still single? She'll be like, don't look at my life as an example. You know, I want you to find someone. And I kind of have to be like, I'm not looking at, you know, like, that's not why I'm single. And not to be rude. It's just, you know, I am very aware of the sacrifices that she's made and kind of the ways that maybe she's been a little bit more reserved and closed off to some people. So we have talked about it. And I don't know, I wish I had a concrete solution to help my mom get out there and meet someone who's going to be really amazing for her. I think the interesting thing is that she is going to turn 60 this upcoming year. She looks great. So it's not even that she's 60. It's that men at 60 are still fuckboys. Yeah. Like the single ones. So I'm like, well, I don't want that for her. Like, I understand why she's not dating any of these people because a lot of them suck and haven't gotten their shit together despite their age. You would think they would have more maturity. So you would think, yeah, you would think. (laughs) That's really interesting that your mom is aware. Mm -hmm. You know, like, most parents, I feel like, are not really aware. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you get up to, like, the 60s, 65, is like, they're pretty much stuck in their ways. So, Mm -hmm. yay to mom. Yeah. For being aware. I like that. Yeah. Um, She's very self-aware. Yeah, but, yeah. My mom tells me all the time, like, you might as well date the youngest guy you can get because they don't (laughs) mature. That's hilarious. It's like between that and them dying earlier. Why not? Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, mom. Thanks for telling us Wait, this that's advice. So funny. Yeah. I literally, my mom has not said that, but your mom brings up a good point. <laughs> my mom is super like hippie. Like, yeah. Yeah. My, that's my mom. My mom is like, I say I'm more conservative than her because, you know, she took me to get my tongue pierced at 13. Wait, no way. (laughs) I wanted to have a mom like that when I was 13. Yeah, you think you do. You think you do. And I did. And I loved it at the time. But now I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, mom, (laughs) why did you let me do this? Or like, she's the one that took me to get my first tattoo. What? She's the one that gave me my first drinks of alcohol. Like. She's yeah. a cool mom. She's she's a she's a cool mom. She's a cool mom. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. We won't be doing that in my house. But yeah. So like, even though I'm like super outgoing sometimes, and um, and I'm like, you know, I'm I'm with the shits and stuff. I still consider myself in my family at least like the more conservative one, like the more modest one, mm-hmm. like. I don't walk around naked. Like, mm-hmm. my mom's just like, yeah, <laughs> free the body. Like, <laughs> it's that. so, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, people are like, there's no way. And then they meet my mom and they're like, okay. Yeah, like, you're not joking. We get it. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, I was going to ask, what was it like to break the news to your mom that you were pregnant? Because I imagine that some parents, I don't want to generalize, some parents might freak out or be like, I can't believe that you got pregnant at this age. But I mean, it sounds like your mom is very accepting and very open-minded and free. Like, what was her reaction, I guess? At the time, 
I was living with my dad, actually. Mm. Um, for most of my life, I grew up with just my mom. Mm-hmm. When I turned 16, I moved in with my dad for about a year. Okay. Until I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, telling my mom that I was pregnant was not something I was necessarily nervous for. Yeah. Because I just felt like if anybody's going to just have to deal with it, it's my mom kind True. of. You know, I was really nervous to tell my dad. Yeah. But when I told my mom, she was at work. Mm. And so I called her and I was like, mom, I really need to talk to you about something. And she was like, what? What is it? And I was like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, really, Alex? I'm at work. (laughs) Mom, I'm at work. I'm pregnant. And she was like, I'll call you back when I'm done. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to you later. She was like, I love you. Goodbye. Wait, that's so hilarious. Yeah. That my mom is very dynamic. Like, <laughs> very interesting person. You might want her on the podcast. Honestly, honestly I was about to say, I need to meet her. She's really an interesting person. But yeah, she was probably the easiest one to okay. tell my dad. Even my cheerleading coach, like, that was really rough to really? tell him. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just felt like, you know, I had worked so hard mm-hmm. in school and, like, always was the person with straight A's and AP and this and this and that. Yeah. And extracurriculars and knights and ladies and... All this, just to essentially throw it away, you know, quote unquote, with people. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating because I knew in my mind, like, no matter what, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be successful. I'm determined. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the statistics, you know, they don't lie. You know, it doesn't look good for especially people like me, black and low income at the time, like, to be successful and, Mm -hmm. you know, have a good relationship with my kid and also be able to take care of them. So. Yeah, that weird kind of, like, I get it, but also, like, don't count me out Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Was there anyone whose reaction really surprised you or was particularly hurtful? Or was it more people who you had surface-level relationships with? Mm. The reaction, I don't think I got anything surprising. You mm. know, the people who I thought were going to be kind of disappointed were disappointed. Mm-hmm. The people who I thought wouldn't really care too much, didn't care too much, mm-hmm. etc., I knew, like, a couple of my friends were going to be excited. Mm -hmm. But I think what surprised me the most was, you know, I got pregnant at the end of my senior year, Mm -hmm. went through graduation prom, not really, like, telling anybody, Mm -hmm. only very close people here and there. And then when it kind of started coming out, like, there were no more friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had, like, my few close friends here and there, but everybody else just disappeared. Which sort of makes sense if you think about it because, like, I'm in the house and they just graduated from school and they're about to go to college and it's, like, they're doing things that I'm not really able to do. Yeah. So I think even though, like, I understood, like, I had such a hard time with that. Yeah. Because I was embarking on this very strange new journey and I just knew, like, all my friends from high school were going to be there with me. But Yeah. And that's such a, I don't want to say tumultuous time because it is exciting to graduate from high school. But it's tumultuous in the sense that everything you've known about the world is just changing all of a sudden. And so to have that added life change, plus the fact that some of your relationships changed because of it, I can only imagine what that felt like. Yeah, it was it was definitely difficult. I don't condemn anyone getting pregnant early, Mm -hmm. but I also understand why. Like, I would not recommend it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't recommend it because... You have so much growing and experiences to do. And my son's never held me back from growing and experiencing things. But it is a lot harder when you can't just get up and go and just do whatever you want. Yeah. I feel like he protected me from some things, definitely. 
from, you know, going out and being crazy in college. There was none of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yeah. kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, growing with your kid isn't the ideal situation. You know, mm-hmm. you would think you'd want to be as settled as possible. Never ready, but yeah. as settled as possible. Yeah. But yeah, I still wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Yeah. I just wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Yeah. Well, I feel like you are the most mature person to take on motherhood <laughs> as an 18 year old. And I just feel like it's very evident that you had such a good head on your shoulders and had your priorities straight. But was there anything that you felt like you had to drastically reprioritize or were there any life changes that were surprising or unanticipated as you were kind of preparing to be a mother? Yeah, I I guess I would say you're changing body, which at mm-hmm. any age is a wild thing to go through pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I talk about my mom and I talk about our relationship and things like that. But I was very independent in how I navigated my life. Like yeah. nobody helped me understand how to apply for college. Yeah. Nobody helped me get, you know, money to go get my cheerleading uniform. Like I was so independent in high school. I worked from the time I was 15, like that kind of thing. So I was always independent about that. And like, you lose a little bit of that independence when you have a baby because you just can't, like you just can't work. You just, your body is just a mess. Like I was just not expecting how ridiculously out of touch I was going to be with myself Mm -hmm. and like trying to take care of a new baby and like not really having anyone to hold my hand, Mm -hmm. you know, and, my boyfriend at the time was still in high school. Yeah. So it was like a very interesting time that I didn't expect. I expected the hard part was going to be like getting a job and keeping a job and taking the baby to daycare. But it's really so much more than that. Yeah. 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 I, to be honest, before we recorded, I was kind of, I don't want to say research, but just out of curiosity, I was reading up about pregnancy and some of the changes that your body goes through. It is wild. And I know it varies from person to person, but just reading about some of the things that can happen, I imagine you just feel like you're not even yourself at some points. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at that point, you know, being 17 for most of my pregnancy, like you're still changing already. You're just a teenager. And so you're mentally and physically still changing. And then you throw a baby, (laughs) you throw a baby in there and all the things that come with that. And like, let me tell you, just like, I don't want to just disturb your listeners, but <laughs> go for it. Like the boobs and <laughs> the, all the extra stomach and like the stretch marks and mm-hmm. the emotions and just the not being able to pee, like get up <laughs> and pee. Like yeah. it was just, yeah, I don't think I was truly prepared for what pregnancy really, really meant. Yeah. I really focused on like, okay, this is going to be this. And then I'll have the baby mm-hmm. instead of like, oh no, this is a whole, <laughs> this is a whole process, girl. Yeah. Okay. So I have so many questions and yeah, it's yeah. really interesting because this might make me sound crazy. I can't believe <laughs> I'm going to say it on the podcast, but this past weekend when I was home with my mom, I said like, yeah, being pregnant seems like it's kind of fun. And based on what you're describing, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I guess that doesn't, it doesn't sound so nice. <laughs> It is. It, it Okay. Let me be honest. It's really nice. And then it's not at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like everybody's so different, mm-hmm. but sometimes your first trimester is filled with throwing up yeah. and, you know, crazy hormone changes and things like that. Luckily with Elijah, my son, I didn't have that problem. Mm-hmm. Second trimester is like, you're like comfortably 
cute pregnant. Yeah. Where, you know, your stomach yeah, is, like, cute. Everybody's showing. noticing. Yeah. You don't have Absolutely. to be, They're not like, oh, is she just getting fat? It's yeah. like, oh, it's she's like, pregnant. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, she wasn't just eating way too much. <laughs> she's actually cute and pregnant. Yeah. And then it's the third trimester where it's like, get this baby out of me now. <laughs> I will deliver it myself. <laughs> you know, that's where the aches and pains really come oh. and your body is just exhausted and yeah. everything becomes a chore from tying your shoes to getting up. <sighs> so it is, it's, it's both. Mm-hmm. It's really both. And I've had two babies now in two very different points in my life. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that pregnancy is the most beautiful, oh. horrible, <laughs> lovely, traumatic thing I've ever been through. Oh my gosh. It's like Kanye's album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Nightmare. Absolutely. <laughs> All of that. Yes. It is equal parts horrifying <laughs> and gorgeous. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not just fun and games, but at least, <laughs> you know, there are beautiful parts to it. Yeah. I, yeah, definitely. So kind of going back, you know, we talked a little bit about the reactions you got. What was yeah. it like to tell your boyfriend at the time? Oh, he was really so nonchalant. Now that I think about it, he was so okay with it. You know, it baffles me because he was like an athlete. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to an HBCU and he had all these thoughts. And so like, he should have probably been pretty, you know, frightened and upset. Mm-hmm. But his personality was always very laissez-faire and like okay he was like oh, i guess i gotta tell my dad <laughs> you know i guess i gotta tell my parents a matter of fact yeah and it was like that was the tough part for him is yeah. like okay well we need to tell my very muslim parents oh that wow. we okay. are yeah having a child the cat's out of the bag it's like your yeah. son is not a virgin yeah i mean to be fair they you know i love them they're still very much a part of my life right mm-hmm. now they had also had him at a young age. Very wild thing is that we actually all went to the same high school. Wow. So his parents went to the high school that we went to. They had him in high school just for us to basically do the same yes. thing. Yeah. Which, of course, like, you don't want that for your child. You want something different. But, you know, things happen. They loved their son very much. And so... You know, we, we made it work. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. It's yeah. really nice that, you know, there was no freak out. It was just kind of like, all right, let's, we're going to deal with this. Yeah. I mean, not to get too TMI, but like, there's only a couple of things that are going to happen when you have sex. Like, you know what I mean? There's <laughs> only so many yeah. possibilities of what can occur. And so I think like, you know, when you get yourself into that situation, it's like, oh gosh, this wasn't ideal. But like, we also know that as you know, people that are understanding that this could happen. Yeah. 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 You know the risks. Yeah. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully you do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So now, you know, that you have a son who's about to turn 12, you've gone through a lot of stages of motherhood already. And I know that, you know, going into the teens will be a whole other thing, but I guess I would love to hear like, what were some of the immediate challenges that you faced in early motherhood and how have those challenges changed as your son has gotten older? Hmm, that's a good question. I think especially as of the last couple of years, what's been challenging is like my son is definitely growing into his own person Mm -hmm. and that person is not like me. (laughs) (laughs) In what way? So, you know, when they're young, they're just like so excited to be around you and so excited to be with you. And it's a lot of love and a lot of teaching the very basics. And then they grow into themselves and 
like this age of 12, 13, they're really starting to formulate like the person that they're going to be and the personality that they have. I'm a very, most of the time, <laughs> quiet, laid back type of person. And mm-hmm. my son is just like, loves to talk to everybody, loves mm-hmm. to meet people, loves to be social, loves mm-hmm. to do all that. And it's challenging for me because I'm just not that way. Yeah. And I would even like let him go to parties with me, like, yeah. you know, and just let him be what they focus on. <laughs> I don't, I'm not good with talking with people sometimes. But yeah, that's the challenge for me is like watching him grow into his own person and trying to like let that flourish and understand it, even yeah. though his personality is a lot like his father's and like a not, a not a lot like mine. Interesting. Down to like academics. Like I'm a super academics person. He mm-hmm. is brilliant. Aww. Like honors and all that super good test scores but the boy doesn't want to sit down and do homework like he doesn't want to he's like let me just pass the tests and like let me just get out of here kind of thing Mm -hmm. and i was like let me organize my homework by alphabetical order like (laughs) type of person so it's that's something i didn't expect to be challenging yeah i thought it was always going to be like he was just going to be like me or like Mm -hmm. just listen to me but i'm trying to give him the space to definitely be his own self yeah it is such an interesting challenge because You know, earlier, I think when I was in high school, I went through this phase where I was like, having a child is terrifying only because you can do so much and you really have no idea how they're going to turn out. And I think sometimes, you know, seeing people who rebuff their parents' efforts to give them the best life possible and like screw up their life on their own. I was like, what if I, what if I try to be a good parent and then my child's life is a disaster? You know, it's just an that is not obviously not the issue that you're describing. It's just so interesting to think that no matter what you do, they're going to take their own path and form their own personality, which is healthy. And that's what should happen. But it is a little bit frightening at the same time. No, what you're saying is absolutely accurate. And I don't know any parent who doesn't sit there and be like, "Who? I hope this is the right thing. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm doing the right thing. Am I doing the right thing? Like, should I be more strict? Should I be less strict? Should I do this? Should I do that? It's If you're a good parent, you're going to be constantly questioning yourself and constantly wondering, like, am I screwing them up? Please don't let me be screwing them up. Like, let's just put them in therapy now. (laughs) Let's do this now. Start them young. (laughs) Let's just do this now. We can both just make sure you're good. But that's, yeah, that's that's definitely true. I, I feel like you can do all the right things. You can be the quintessential best parent Mm -hmm. in the world and your kid's just going to turn out the way they turn out. And you just have to hope that you've instilled enough, you know, morals and values and guidance and love that they will make the right decisions. Yes. That's the thing. It's about the morals that you instill because at some point they're going to be exposed to bad influences. And I think about it and it's like, there were some close calls where it's like someone almost like, convince me to do something or maybe someone did convince me to do something and it just turned out fine yes but my life could have been fucked up you know and it's really about making sure that your children have good decision making skills and like understand how to make a good decision and what that looks like it's it's so tough yeah because like the alternative is just sheltering them forever and as someone who was homeschooled for six months in elementary school that is not the way to go i can (laughs) safely say because then they're just going to be fucking weird yeah yeah, I can imagine, like, um, an only child that was only homeschooled. Yeah. Literally, oh I still feel How? like I'm suffering. Some From of the, the six months? Yeah, it, it, did, it did a number, so I'm oh glad I got God. out before anything else happened, but yeah. I have so many questions. <laughs> questions because like how did you get to homeschool why are we homeschooling why did we stop like 
long story short is that, you know, my parents weren't rich, but they sacrificed a lot to send me to private schools from kindergarten through the first half of third grade. Okay. And I think because, you know, it was a sacrifice, they were very particular. And so no school is perfect. I don't really know what their complaints about the schools were, but it would just be like, oh, this isn't the school. So I think I went to maybe three different private schools, like before they decided, well, none of these are really worth the money. So then they were like, we're just going to do it ourselves. And I think they just saw how much I hated it. And eventually we're like, fine, we give up. We'll send you to public school. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, parents. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And so, okay. (laughs) Turning this podcast into mine. uh, But I'm just really curious. So after being homeschooled for that amount of time, did you find it weird to like transition back in? I mean, six months isn't a long time at that age. Yeah, it wasn't a long, long time. Honestly, it was weird, but I think it was more because I was awkward, to be honest. And... My parents were very protective, so it wasn't even like I was going to sleepovers or and all. I even as I say it, I'm like, was it normal for kids to go to sleepovers in like second grade, first grade? I don't know because I didn't really do it. So I think that it was a little bit harder for me to get up to speed with what other kids were doing, and it wasn't like they were just like letting me walk home with people and all this stuff. So. I think it took a while for me to be less weird. I'm not going to say not weird because I'm still <laughs> weird. But it took a while just because between being homeschooled and then having that sheltered upbringing to an extent, it, I don't know, it like stunted the progression. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. I'm also weird. But I didn't homeschool. <laughs> just weird. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess kind of going back to one challenge of motherhood. I mean, you mentioned that the fact that Elijah is becoming his own person, that was a surprising challenge that you didn't expect to have. Have there been any other big surprises or any like crazy parenting moments, especially in the early days that you wouldn't have anticipated? Hmm. I mean, this is not a typical thing to happen to a parent. So if you're a first time parent out there, don't take this as (laughs) um, any sort of Bible, but you know, my son at five years old ended up being diagnosed with diabetes, oh. type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's a huge curveball that yeah. I wasn't expecting. And so he's had a lot of health challenges, you know, from having to get his tonsils out mm-hmm. and just issues with being constantly sick and then diabetes. And so I guess I didn't think of any of that happening, yeah. you know, like I just thought, I don't know what I thought parenting was going to be. Yeah. I, I just thought parenting was going to be me every day trying to make the best decisions for my child as I could. Yeah. Didn't realize I was going to get thrown all these massive curveballs mm-hmm. that I think our parents are really good at hiding from us. Yes. You know, like, I knew that my mom, you know, went through some things, but, like, I never saw the woman cry. Yeah. I never saw her get so frustrated like she lost it or anything like that. And so I think my mom was always really good at hiding, like, just how crazy life can be as an adult Mm -hmm. and as a parent. Yeah. So I think just in general, not thinking I was going to have all these curveballs and then being thrown all of them (laughs) has been very challenging. Would you say that your style of responding to conflict is really different than Elijah's father's or were you kind of on the same page? How did you guys navigate that? Yeah. Neither one of us were big disciplinarians. Mm -hmm. I don't hit, I don't necessarily subscribe to hitting or whooping. Mm-hmm. I am the type to ground you for sure. Yeah. Take away whatever it is that you like to do. And I really just want to talk, mm-hmm. you know, just talk, talk, talk. 
his dad, I was probably the tough one. <laughs> like, his dad was like, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Okay, let's go. Like, <laughs> moving on. And it's, you know, and we definitely had our, our struggles at first with like, no, you need to hold him way more accountable than that. And him just be like, you know, it's fine. You know, he's a boy. He's going to do this and this and this. And I think that comes from him also having like strict parents mm. too. So he was like, oh no, I'm going to be the opposite of this. Yeah. And also being young. So yeah, so very different parenting styles. In fact, that he was really, when I say laid back, like very laid back. Yeah. Did you guys have any conversations about this is my vision for parenting or did you just kind of like figure it out? Yeah, we had some conversations. It was challenging because we were young, but I always, girls are just more mature. Yes. <laughs> Still now, you know, I'm 30. But yeah, I think I always had like a very specific vision for what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And he was just so like lackadaisical and like goes with the flow. And so it was a lot of me having conversations with him <laughs> yes. of like, I would really like it to be like this and him being like, okay, but you're not the only parent. Mm-hmm. And then just like times where he's just growing up and he also was trying to go to school and navigate, you know, a young adulthood and things like that. So it wasn't, wasn't a lot of conversation. Yeah, I think more towards the end is when, He had started to get his career together and he was, you know, just more mature at that time. And then it was a little bit more a conversation of like, okay, let's get on the same page. And then it was like, okay, like I'm going to talk to our son about X, Y, and Z and this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And we'll try to do it more together and things like that. Okay. Would you say either of your parenting styles have significantly evolved over the years? Uh, That's a really good question. I think I have definitely grown more into trying to be the parent that focuses on my full child, like Mm -hmm. his physical health, his mental health, his et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mental health is, is not a new thing by any means, but as it comes into incorporating it into parenting, it was never anything that I had growing up. No. It was never anything my parents had growing up. So just making that on the forefront of my mind of his mental health and his, you know, being okay and him feeling safe in his space is something that I didn't start out doing at all. Yeah. But now is super important to me. That makes sense because to your point, yeah, mental health has always been important. But I think that the conversation around it has been a lot more transparent in recent years. You know, I think that even if I look to when I was in high school... If someone had told me that they were in therapy, I think there would have been a little bit of a stigma. And now I feel like being in therapy is like, oh, you're not in therapy. Like everyone should do it at least once. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that for us though. Mm -hmm. You know, I love that for us, especially like being black people is, yeah, let me tell you, yeah, I'm going to therapy. And you'd be Mm -hmm. like, good. Yeah. You know, and not like, oh, she's been going to therapy. What's wrong with her? You know, only people who shoot up their school are going to therapy. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like it was such a stigmatized thing. And just think like, we're not that old. So this was not that long ago that it was so highly stigmatized and it wasn't something to be open about. And I'm so glad that I'm raising a kid in an era where that's not, you know, the thing. Yes. Mind you, we're in a pandemic, so not sure I want to be raising my son in a pandemic, but it's all, that's also been highlighting mental health, yeah. you know, in its entirety and all these kids at school all day on Zoom and, yeah. 
you know, I'm ordering like blue light glasses on Amazon, (laughs) you know, and just like so different. But yeah, just it's super important to me that I focus on my son's mental health Mm -hmm. and make it just as important as his spiritual and physical health. Yes. And I'm so glad you brought up mental health in the black community in particular, because I think it's even more stigmatized in minority communities. Absolutely. And I know we were talking about insecure earlier before we started mm-hmm. recording. And I just love that Molly goes to therapy, even if it's begrudgingly, because it's just nice to see a depiction of that where it's not some person who is like off their rocker. It's like, no, this is someone who wants to better their life. And this is one of the best ways to go about it. And it's an investment in yourself and becoming a better person. Yeah, I agree. And like, I remember thinking growing up, like, the cool mom was, like, the moms that let us drink at their house or that let us, like, have parties or, like, have boys over. (laughs) And I'm just like, Elijah, you really got the cool mom. Like, yeah, I do TikTok dances. (laughs) But I also am, like, mental health. Yes. You know, like. Balance. Balance. Yeah, balance. And so, yeah, I want to be the cool mom. Mm -hmm. And I just, I want my son to eventually grow up and be like. Wow, she tried her hardest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure he will. And my daughter too, my poor daughter. I know. I know. It's like you know, she's young, so it's it's hard because Mm -hmm. it hasn't started developing that personality and those differences just yet. But right, yeah, and it's like your first kid. I'm so sorry, Elijah. It's like your (laughs) guinea pig, almost like your first experience with motherhood, and it's like you know, you have some bumps and some bruises, Mm -hmm. and you just you know, you're learning. And so I do always focus on him because he's older mm-hmm. and also like, well, if I get this right with you, most then you likely. you know how to do it. <laughs> most exactly. likely. I'll get this right with her. Yeah. That's another thing about being an only child. You are the guinea pig, but then you also don't have anyone to take the heat off of you. Right. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's not fair. So talking about parenting styles with your own parents, you've alluded to the type of mom that your mother was. How has it been seeing her adjust to being a grandmother? And have you ever had any instances where there are differences with how she wants to approach something and how you want to approach something that have been problematic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. You know, I will start out by saying my mom respects me as a parent. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I don't have to deal with that of her just outright disrespecting me and what I want as a parent. But yeah, we don't really agree because, again, my mom, as cool as it may seem to other people, was so chill and laid back and, like, very, like, kind of let me do my own thing. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, you would think because I would have loved that freedom as a kid and stuff. But I also wanted structure and I also wanted this sort of parenting figure and not a friend necessarily Mm -hmm. and, like, a guide and someone to, like, be the authority and tell me no. You know, like... And so I definitely wanted that for my son. And I'll say a really funny story, which wasn't funny at the time. But my mom basically had told me one day, you know, my son went to her house quite often and they had a really good relationship. My mom, you know, it's her only grandchild. So Mm -hmm. my mom was very doting on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one day she came and she was like, explaining to me something that Elijah had expressed to her Mm -hmm. negatively. Mm. And so I was like, okay. And so she was verbatim kind of telling me what he said. And it included curse words. And I was like, he said that to you? You know, grandma. (laughs) And I'm like, ready to go off, like, bring that boy here. And she was like, oh, no, at my house. I tell him, yes, it's a, he's allowed to curse. And that's wow. what he should verbalize his feelings in whatever way he feels 
appropriate. And I was like, absolutely. Like, Excuse me? <laughs> I was like, no, none <laughs> of that shit here. No. And she was just oh like taken God. aback. Like, but I said, it's just for my house. Like, mom, <laughs> he cannot curse at his grandmother. Like, it's not That's appropriate. Hilarious. <laughs> and it was just, it, but it's baffling to me because I'm sitting there like mouth agape. And she is like, what? <laughs> me? <laughs> I did something wrong. Like, oh, I don't mom. see what the matter is. Yes. And so it's a lot of those moments of just like, <laughs> ma'am, <laughs> really? Oh, you know, gosh. and. Her just being like, but I raised you this way. And I'm like, that, that's the problem. (laughs) So, yeah. But, I mean, in general, you know, after that conversation, she was like, Elijah, your mom said, you know, you can't curse here. So, none of that. Yeah. So, it's super different styles. And me just a lot of the times being like, "Eh." (laughs) stop that. Stop that. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. Everything about hearing your relationship with your mom, it just sounds very different from my mom. Because like I mentioned, you know, having immigrant parents, it's so different. And I don't want to generalize, but from what I've experienced and from what I've observed with some other people, I feel like immigrant parents, they don't necessarily have the goal of being their child's friend. Even now, you know, my mom will say, yeah, I'm not your friend. And it's like, I'm 30 years old. (laughs) And if we can't be friends now, like, when can we be friends? Yeah. And we are. Like, we're close. I'm not trying to make it sound as if, you know, we don't have a good relationship. We do. It's just different, you know? Like, especially one key thing. And when my mom listens to this, she's going to be like, you sound like an alcoholic. One key difference is that my mom has never been drunk. And so... I think that one thing that might bond you as an adult to your parents is like when you share drinks together and like, it's not even that experience of like, oh, we're sharing this adult activity together. It's like, she will still lecture me about getting too drunk, even if I have like two, three glasses of wine. So yeah, I just think it's, it's really interesting to kind of figure out how your parents approach impacts how you kind of go about things. Because I kind of feel like parenting styles go in waves a little bit. Like I've noticed with some of my friends who had more strict parents, they grow up to be a little bit more lax. You know, it's like they might push back or rebel and think that they want to be a little bit more free-spirited themselves. And then alternatively, I have some friends who have parents who were very open and very free and didn't really set a ton of rules and maybe were a little bit wilder themselves when they were young. And those people tend to be a little bit more rigid as adults. It's, it's just interesting. Yeah. I've noticed that a lot too with friends who have stricter parents that they end up, first of all, going a little <laughs> crazy themselves mm-hmm. at a point in time of just like, oh, finally having that freedom, mm-hmm. which again is like what I'm trying to strive is for that middle ground. Don't know if I'm there or not, mm-hmm. but... I do strive for that. What's interesting, though, is, like, neither of my parents drink. Oh. And neither of my parents, like, do drugs. Mm -hmm. But my mom is, like, but I would gladly see you drunk, like, kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah, so that's interesting. And then I think, you know, the dynamic of having my mom, who is white, like, Mm -hmm. blonde hair, blue-eyed, white, Mm -hmm. and then my dad, who's Panamanian, Mm -hmm. black, and, like, that's a very different parenting style like yeah. the stuff that my mom kind of let me do it wouldn't have happened with my dad yeah. kind of thing yeah so I definitely see those both sides but yeah there's such a thing as like being too strict with your kids and yeah. I don't ever want to be my kid's friend but I also don't ever want my kids to feel like they can't you know 
talk to me or be themselves. Yes. Just like a healthy respect of like, I don't know. I completely agree. I think I'm in the same boat where when I have kids, I don't want to be their friend. I'm not trying to be the cool mom, honestly. I think I'll probably be a little bit annoying and like a bit of a stickler to get them to be very responsible and make sure that they're taking care of their business. But I do think that it's so important to have an open dialogue. And I think that because I grew up less conservative than my parents, I think I'll be able to relate to certain things, especially as my kids get into their teenage years, that maybe I didn't feel comfortable talking to my parents about. And I can provide a non-judgmental perspective. And I don't think my parents were intending to be judgmental at any point, but I can understand that if you haven't gone through certain things that you'd be like, why, why would you do that? It doesn't make sense. But if you've gone through it, you're like, it doesn't make sense, but I understand where you're coming from because I've been there before as well. Right. I think sometimes we think too much about like being the perfect parent Mm -hmm. and we really, you know, in our minds, we think like the perfect parent would do X, Y, and Z. But that is our view of what the perfect parent would be. Mm -hmm. And I want to try to tailor my parenting to my child's personality. Mm -hmm. For example, my mom was very open and was, I could have talked to her about sex. I could have talked to her about my period. She was, she made sure to let me know that she was here for all that. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, ma'am, no, thank you. Don't want to talk to you about any of it. Even to my, even now, my mom is still like, you know, trying to make jokes. And I'm just like, ah, please abort this mission. You know, but that's just because I'm a modest person. Mm-hmm. And so then there was times where it would make me uncomfortable of like, no, I just don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. I'm, it's not because you're my mom. Thank you for trying to be open. Thank you for giving me that space. If I want to, I promise I will. I just am a private person that mm-hmm. doesn't like to talk about those things. And so I don't want my son to also feel like, okay, yes, there's open dialogue here, but like, I won't pressure you to talk about this. Like, you know, I just want you to know that this is here. Yeah. Should you want to pick it up? Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it. Because yeah, I think when you force it on them, they kind of retreat a little bit. And even if it's not because they're modest, they might retreat and then be like, I don't want to talk to you about it. You're like being weird. And then just talk (laughs) to their friends who also don't know what the hell is going on. So yeah, it's a delicate balance to strike. Right. Yeah. And I think it's also important, you know, no matter how great of a parent you are, you're not going to be your child's number one person that they're mm-hmm. probably going to open up to. Yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. And it's understandable. Just have really good people around them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I really like about my life that's a little different than when I was a child is my mom was very to herself and it was just me and her, Mm -hmm. but I have so many friends and he has uncles and aunties and other people that he can go to, to kind of get a trusted, you know, trusted advice from who Mm -hmm. are going to, I know they're not going to steer him in the wrong way. Yes. And so I'm happy that at least if it's not me, it's somebody that I know will will be there for him. Who has his best interest. Has his best interest. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So I would kind of like to transition to, you know, we've spoken about what it was like to parent with Elijah's father yeah. and would love to talk about, you know, how you dealt with the eventual loss of Elijah's father. I imagine that it's already so difficult to navigate through early parenthood. And when you kind of lose that partner who you rely on, I, I can't imagine what it is like to then have to take on that burden by yourself and then also take on the grief. So as much as you feel comfortable with, I would love to hear about what that experience was like for you. Yeah. <clears throat> it was, it was very tough, mostly because, you know, my son 
loved him so much, loves him so much. And to him, you know, he's like superhero dad and just such a bright spot to him. And we lost him very suddenly and in a way we weren't expecting. And so, you know, trying to parent is already tough and trying to co-parent with somebody is already tough. And then when that person, you know, is gone, it's a void that no matter what I did is just not fillable by me, you know, or not fillable by anybody. Let's be honest. It's always going to be a sore, tough spot for him. And so, yeah, I'm still figuring it out. You know, he still has his tough days. He still has his days where he absolutely breaks down. Mm -hmm. I'm lucky that his family is still very much a part of Elijah's life. And I do have amazing people in my life that, you know, support the both of us. Mm -hmm. But there is nothing like loss. And for a child that young to experience that type of profound loss is heartbreaking. Um, it's just heartbreaking. (laughs) That's, that's really just to sum it up. And, um, also you like in your mind, you don't ever think like everybody knows the process of life, but you don't ever imagine yourself like as much as they get on your nerves. Like you don't imagine yourself like looking up one day and they're not there. Yeah. You know, like, and there's not a soundboard or another person to like bounce that off with. And, I think as a parent outside of, you know, as a woman outside of being Elijah's mom, that's been a very weird thing for me to navigate of like having known him for like all of my adult life and, you know, most of my childhood at that point and then him just not being there anymore is just something I didn't imagine happening. Yeah. You know, and there's no, I've read the books and there's no... (laughs) real like instruction manual on how to navigate it i just it's just like an everyday you just try and you mentioned something earlier about your mom maintaining this facade of strength even when she might have been going through some really difficult things so how do you balance opening up with elijah about this but also having to try and remain strong for him it was a lot of breaking down in the shower, you know, or crying in the car, you know, and talking to friends or excusing myself from his presence or, you know, taking him to his dad's family's house and just having that time to, you know, get my shit together. But also, yeah, he's seen me cry, you know, he he's also seen me cry in response to him crying, you know, and just letting him know my heart aches for you as well. And like giving him the space to like, not feel like he has to be strong not feel like, you know, being a parent means that I don't have feelings or, you know, that I don't have feelings that need some, some crying sometimes, you know? Um, so just like trying to navigate, I don't want him to see me broken, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want him to see me absolutely falling out, but I do want him to know that it's okay. And I feel sadness too. And, you know, some days we're going to cry together and some days you're going to cry by yourself. And, you know, and some days I'm going to be the strong one and some days I'm not. Yeah. So just trying to, you know, make sure that he feels supported without making him feel like I'm a robot or I don't have any feelings towards it. And it really goes back to what we were talking about, about really prioritizing mental health, because I think that if you were to try and keep this all inside and say, we're really not going to talk about this, I don't want to show this emotion. 
I think that would be very damaging. And in the interim, it might seem like it's easier to deal with, but I think it's so great that you are establishing this open, healthy dialogue about something that is so difficult, no matter what age you are, to really process. And the fact that he's able to articulate these things and open up to you at such a young age, I think is going to be really valuable for him. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) That's the hope. And I don't want to sugarcoat it at all. There were definitely some dark days. And at one point he was acting out in school and getting into fights and just really angry. And that's where I decided, you know, it was time to put him into therapy and it was time to get him to open up. And even though he does have people around him, sometimes you just need that unbiased, neutral person to not just talk to, but to teach you the tools on how to manage some emotions that adults even struggle to manage. So yeah, I definitely prioritized his mental health and I still do because I, I want him to have all the tools he needs to be successful. And I can't imagine he's going to have to navigate much tougher waters than he's doing right now, Mm -hmm. but I want him to be prepared when that time comes and, and you know, it's difficult. Yeah. For anyone who is listening and maybe has gone through their own loss, do you have any, I guess, advice that you've taken away from your experience for how to deal? And I know it's not ever going to be a linear 12-step process or anything like that, but anything that's been particularly helpful for you or things that maybe you wish you had told yourself or heard from somebody else early on? That's a really good question. And I think it's super important to understand that you are, God, this is cliche, but you're not by yourself. One thing that I will say is there really aren't a lot of resources or books, because I'm such a reader, Mm -hmm. that navigate this particular space that I was in of like no longer being with the other parent, no longer like having a romantic relationship, but also like the death of that person still greatly profoundly affects you in your own personal way. And the way, you know, as being a mother, I wish there was more conversations around it. And I wish there was more people to talk to because on one hand, I felt a sense of shame for feeling so upset about somebody that like, I wasn't really with, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but also like, on the other hand, feeling like, no, like this is normal, you know, and this is the way that I'm grieving and that's okay. I did have good friends around me that, you know, uplifted me and told me like, girl, please, this is normal. Mm -hmm. Do this. This makes sense. But I wish there were more resources for that. And so my biggest advice would be if you have support, lean on them it's okay. Don't feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you don't have the right to grieve because your relationship wasn't, you know, the best relationship. Mm -hmm. Like a co-parenting relationship is still a relationship and it's still something that should be valued. And it's still something that you're allowed to grieve when it's gone. And so I just would love for anybody who's going through this to like take your space and don't feel ashamed for it. Yeah. I think that's really important to remind people, especially anyone who is traditionally very independent and does not like to open up and lean on people for that, because I think it can be difficult. Even when you're your most vulnerable, if it's ingrained in you that you can get through things on your own, I think it's um, a little bit easier sometimes for people to just push through in the short term and try to do that. Right. This is something that's so much bigger than any other issue you might've had to deal with in the past. Agreed. I agree. And 
just to add, you know, none of us are perfect, you know, and I know that I would not be the same person I am now had I not gone through a lot of the experiences that I've been through. But that's okay. Like, it's just okay to celebrate the relationships you've had with people and what they mean to you. And I keep saying this, but like, shame and grief do not go together. Mm-hmm. You cannot properly grieve if you're feeling shameful about grieving. Yeah. And that means a grieving as a parent. That means grieving as a woman. That means grieving as a man, as a dad, a sister, brother, whatever. Like, I just want people to really like take the shame out of grieving. Mm-hmm. I really want that. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, transitioning to dating. I mean, how was it to finally come to a place where you felt like you were ready to date again? Because I can imagine that in addition to shame, you might've felt about the grief that you were experiencing there could be some shame about, okay, am I moving on too quickly? Or is this person maybe not living up to what I expected based on the partner that I had before? Like how, what did that look like for you? So I think it's a little bit easier for me because, you know, we weren't together at the time. And so it had pretty much been established that, you know, we were co-parenting and that was it. Yeah. So I had already kind of been dating Mm -hmm. a little, And I had already been in a relationship. And so I think what's tricky is even before, you know, he passed is, yeah, making that decision when we were done, like, how do I navigate this? Mm -hmm. And also, like, how do I navigate it in a way that's not going to piss the other person off? Yeah. And him too. Like, he also had to navigate that. And it's just like, imagine doing that when you're young too. It's just like... It's like people are more hot-headed also. It was a disaster. Honestly, I'll be honest. It was a disaster. (laughs) Because it was like, we don't really want to be with each other, but, like, don't be with anybody else. Oh, yeah. Don't have them around my son. But, like, you know, it was just, you know, a lot of, like, immaturity. (laughs) And then you get older. Mm. And, you know, you focus more on, like, what you're doing versus what the other person is doing. And then you just have to, like, trust your kid will be okay with whatever they decide to do. You know, he loved him, so I knew he wasn't going to do anything reckless or yeah. like, anything like that. So for me personally, it was just like, first of all, I, it was like, I have a son. <laughs> as, soon as, like, as soon as I met the person, it was like, oh, I was just buying you a drink. Like, okay, yeah, but I just want you to know. Yeah, put it out there. I just want you to know, like, I have a son. You know, it's just, it's such an awkward thing of like, when do you bring this up? We yeah. were talking about this a little bit earlier. We were. Yeah. Yeah. Of like... When's the time to bring up something that may get uncomfortable? Yeah, that you know? could be a deal breaker for some people. Yeah, it's absolutely. scary. And it's like, okay, if it's a deal breaker for you. Yes. Which is why, like, before I get emotionally invested, I need to tell you, mm-hmm. like, I have a son. And then from there, it was just like, okay, so then when do I introduce this person Yeah. to my child? You know, and then it's like, okay, how's the child going to react? And do you talk to the other co-parent about this before or after or during or what? So I think the things that I look for is one, how do you react to me saying I have a child? Yeah. You know, with the people that I have dated, it has always been like a non-factor, obviously, Mm -hmm. of like, oh, I love kids kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I've actually never dated somebody with a child. Interesting. Yeah. So it's always been kind of easy for me because I've always like had the kid and not had to worry. Yes. Um, but then it was like, let's hang out for a while. Let's get to know each other. Okay. You seem cool. Like 
uh, maybe I'll bring my kid up in like a social situation where yeah. it's a lot of people yeah. involved and not like any one. Not like a sit down dinner. Yeah. <laughs> not like it's the three of us, like, mm-hmm. you know. And then, you know, progressively from there, if things look like they're moving forward, then it's like, okay, well, I'll have you in a space where it's eight people now. Yeah. And then like six people. Yeah. Like, you know, and then slowly but surely I see how they interact and if they like each other, you know, if it's good, then you know, then you have to have the conversation, depending on your child's age, of course, Yes. of like, so mommy has special <laughs> feelings for this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so it's it's difficult to navigate in terms of like, you never know how the other person's gonna feel about having kids. Mm-hmm. You never know, like, when's the right time to introduce them. Yeah. It's yeah, but I again, I don't want my son to see 800 people, mm-hmm. you know, and 800 heartbreaks. But I do want him to think and understand that being an adult means that you do have these different relationships. Sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And everybody's here for a lesson and everybody's here for, you know, it doesn't have to be negative and yeah. it can just be a positive experience. But grown people, women and men, they're going to date mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like the most healthy approach. Have you ever had any times where Elisha pushed back or you could tell that maybe he was upset or has he always just been pretty understanding? So it's only been two people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, the first, he was just too young. Yeah. You know, and the other person had been around his whole life pretty much. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was more of like a natural transition. So no, I haven't had any, any pushback yet. But I, I would say Elijah wouldn't be shy about pushing back. And at that point, I would definitely take his opinion into consideration. Yeah. If I was, you know, going to navigate the dating space with him. But yeah, so no pushback. Pushback from my mom. No pushback from from your mom. Yeah, because my mom, like I said, she raised me very much like not dating anybody. And so she was like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, very, very like this is wrong. Like you should not be doing this. Yeah. Has that put a strain on either of those relationships? No, no, because like with my mom, it's like one year out the other kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like I get it, you know, and I feel like everybody has their opinions, but I'm not going to let that stop me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. And so like, I could try to explain it to her, which I did. And she was still just like, "Eh, this is wrong, but okay. You know, (laughs) you do what you have to do. So yeah, it's not really a strain. It's just, You know, I know she's not very excited about it, but Mm -hmm. it's also my life. So, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So, of course, you know, like you mentioned, you're never going to end up dating someone who has any issue with kids because that's obviously not your person. But did you ever encounter someone who early on maybe freaked out or like was nervous or had any sort of negative reaction that stood out to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when I was younger, it was like, oh, I have a kid. And it's like, okay, so where's the kid's father? I'm like, yeah, he's there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not interested. Yeah. Or honestly, it's been a lot of me too. Like if they also have kids, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know if, you know, both of us should be Brady bunching this up. But <laughs> <laughs> which is so wrong, right? Like how do I judge somebody for having kids when I have kids? But I don't think it's you judging though, because I think that blending a family is so much more difficult because then it's adding so many more variables. It's not just, 
oh, does my child like this person and could they be a good father figure? It's like, how are the kids going to get along? Right. Are their kids going to be a bad influence? It's just a lot more variable. So I don't feel like you're being judgmental. I just, I do understand that it would bring up more complications than simply dating someone who doesn't have kids. Right. And I think, I mean, I would prefer not to date somebody with kids. I'm sure other people would also prefer, you know, not to date somebody with kids. I don't necessarily think it's a deal breaker. It just becomes more complicated. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how complicated are you willing to make your life? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as you were dating, you know, when you weeded out those people who were like, okay, no, I'm not down for kids. What were some of the things that you looked for before you would decide if that could be somebody who you might introduce to Elijah? Um, that's a good question. This is going to sound terrible. I didn't focus so much on what I felt like would be good for Elijah. Mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to focus on who would be good for me mm-hmm. because I know that if you are good for me, you're going to be good for my son because yeah. I would not take anything less than that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I would like, I would see their interactions or beforehand I would just get a sense of like, asking certain questions like what about the scenario if you were parenting or what Mm -hmm. about the scenario if you were parenting Mm -hmm. and get those kind of responses but mostly like you can tell a lot by how somebody treats women in their life oh my gosh yes um and you can tell almost anything that i needed to know about what kind of response you would have to my child is the kind of response you would have to me that's true and it's important to model a healthy relationship like you've been saying so i think that using yourself and your relationship with them as a barometer makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So I feel like this has been really amazing. I want to thank you so much for opening up and I think that it's just been very insightful, but I have a few more insights that I would like to pull from you before we end this episode. Yes. Yes. And I mentioned that I was doing a little bit of research about pregnancy. The reason why is because I feel like I would love to hear your experience without getting too graphic, whatever you're comfortable with, but about birth and pregnancy in kind of like a rapid fire response. Yes. Whatever comes to your mind, oh, gosh. Okay. would love to just hear just the unfiltered response. Okay. So starting off with, when you're pregnant, do your feet and hands really grow? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Do they go back? I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. Yes. I <laughs> haven't been pregnant for about a year and a half and they're back, but... Yeah, definitely this ring that you see here <laughs> had to go. It had to go. Oh my my feet were... What about your shoes? Just, yeah, they get tight. I was literally mm. wearing only sandals. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But as far as I know, I've never heard of anybody's not going back. Okay, because I saw an article today that said they may never go oh back. Oh, God. I know it's different for everyone yeah. again, but I... I love shoes. I have so many shoes. And I was just like, what are you even investing in? Yeah. You're not even going to be able to wear them. <laughs> okay, well, I have full hope that your feet will go back. And with my two pregnancies, I never had the problem of them not going back. Mm-hmm. But you will be amazed <laughs> at how big your feet oh can God. get. I, at one point, looked down and I was like, these are not my feet. Like, <laughs> whose feet are they? <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. <sighs> wow. Gosh. I was hoping you had a different answer. But at least so they go sad. back. I have back. to be honest. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, that's what we're here for. Yeah. What was the craziest craving you had? Mmm. That's a good one. Oh, I... I don't know if this is crazy, 
But I definitely had a really big craving with my son for peanut butter and jelly pancakes. Ooh. With whipped cream. <laughs> <laughs> because make it nasty. Go all the way. With whipped cream and cinnamon. Mm. Like every morning. It was it was <laughs> why? It was really bad. Was that something you had ever had before? You just kind of concocted no. it. No, it was like Let's put some peanut butter on here. Like, let's put some jelly. Okay. Like, how can we really fuck up your whole digestive system? Add the whipped cream. Oh my God. So, yeah, that was probably the craziest. With my daughter, I didn't really have any food cravings. Huh. Yeah, I'm thinking back. Like, I think actually it was, it's not weird or gross, but I don't eat pork. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted bacon with her. Wow. Yeah. So okay. I ate like, all the breakfast foods. A disrespectful amount of bacon. <laughs> Oh, wow. uh, yeah, but nothing really crazy with her. Okay, okay. Yeah. What was the food or drink that you missed the most while you were pregnant? Absolutely alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. With my son, I was so young, like, I didn't even drink or anything at that point. So I just missed being able to, like, eat stuff and not get heartburn. Oh, Because <laughs> that's a thing. Okay. But with my daughter, yeah, it was definitely, like, I could use a glass of... <laughs> Yeah. Anything. Anything. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, anything right now. That was, yeah, I missed it. I definitely missed it. Okay, so I actually wasn't planning to ask this question oh. because I was like, this is too far-fetched. It sounds like a wife's tale. But you mentioned you had heartburn. Yeah. Was Elijah born with hair? Yes. Because I heard that's a thing. I've heard it's a thing, too. I don't know if it's true or just like a coincidence, but I had heartburn with both babies, and both babies came out, like, with Beyonce (laughs) hair, like, sis, give it to me. Wow. Um, Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's really a thing, but it's, it definitely coincidentally happened to me with both pregnancies. Oh my gosh. So while we're on the topic, now I'm just going honestly (laughs) off the book. Enjoy. So I also read, obviously, you know, your hair and your your skin and nails like just glowing during the pregnancy is the thing. But then I read today that it falls out. It's facts. What? Yeah, it's facts. That's so cruel. It's so mean. Okay. <laughs> it's really so mean. And you know, God, she universe, whatever is out there. Like, fuck, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you. Because yeah, it's so true. Like, middle of pregnancy or especially like during the end pop and like my hair was popping my nails mm-hmm. were great my skin was glowing and then like four months after three to four months you're in the shower and you're just like why is all my hair coming out that's so sad i lost my edges and not in a good way like on it was it was so bad and it happened with both pregnancies i had my daughter in february i got my hair cut in may and the woman who was doing my hair specialized in curly hair. And she was like, did you just have a baby? Oh. And I was like, what? yes. <laughs> she was like, I can tell. She was like, I see this a lot oh. with women. They come and then, you know, their hair is falling out in a very specific way. No. But it it comes back too. Okay, okay. It also comes back too. Yeah. And I don't even know if there's a way to stop it. You know, I would ask my doctor and yeah. I still took prenatals after I was pregnant. So I don't know what it is. It's a hormone fluctuation that causes it, but it is so fucking unfair. It's I'm already wild. feeling ugly from like my body transforming from this pregnancy. I'm leaking milk every two seconds. 
I haven't taken a proper shower mm-hmm. in a while. I'm not getting any sleep. And, like, then you're going to make me look ugly, too? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, but. Wow. Yeah, it's true. W- women go through so much. I know. Oh, my gosh. All the people who have not had children, please don't let this yeah, scare no, you. No. Again, beautiful. Just terrible. bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful and terrible. Okay, so you mentioned your breasts leaking. Yeah. Is it true that when you hear a child crying, sometimes you would lactate? Absolutely. What? I, I thought that was another wives' tale also. No, no. I breastfed both babies over a year. And when I'm saying, like, being in the grocery store and you see a baby, no. you hear a baby, you look at your own baby. No. <laughs> it's just like... It's like I have to have blinders on. Literally. It's just like... And it's just your body's very natural response mm-hmm. of, like... I hear a baby crying, this is how we solve it, kind of thing. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's like, I carried breast pads in my purse, mm-hmm. like they were fucking Mentos. Like, wow, yeah. pop them, pop them, pop them in, like, all the time. Actually, it's it's kind of helpful for women who have trouble breastfeeding. Oh. Or if you go back to work and you're pumping, they tell you to literally look at a picture or video of your baby, Aww. and it helps you to, like, lactate more successfully. That's pretty cute. So it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, like, so cool from, like, the nerdy evolutionary standpoint, but so inconvenient. Yeah. It's just, like, so just stay home. (laughs) Is that what you're telling me? Like, just just don't miss. Until you stop lactating and your hair is back. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. (sighs) Okay. What was the most surprising element of labor? So, for my son, I labored for 27 hours Mm -hmm. and I knew that I wanted to have a very natural labor and delivery and my aunt from Michigan flew out and everything because she was a nurse and I just wanted her there with me and I think the most surprising part is like I did not want to have anything to do with anybody during labor Mm. like you know they make jokes about like you did this to me yeah it wasn't that it was more just like if anybody talks to me, I'm literally going to kick you out this room. Yeah. And I wanted it just, like, completely quiet. Nobody say anything. I don't want you to rub my back. Mm. I don't want you to hold my hand. Okay. I knew it was going to hurt. It does. It's it's really painful. But, yeah, I just, I thought I was going to want support. And I probably could have just done that shit by myself. Because wow. I just didn't want anybody in there with me. I, yeah, that actually makes sense. And for me... If I'm, like, really not in the mood to talk to people, it's very hard for me to fake it. I can't imagine when you're in, like, the worst pain you've probably experienced. Yeah. A funny, little funny story. I also had my child's godmother in the room with me, and she had bought specifically, like, a labor ball for your oh. back. Oh, that you, like, rub. interesting. Right, and it sounds so nice. And beforehand, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> but then she tried to use it on me, and I was... <laughs> I was in the middle of a contraction, so I couldn't speak. And so after the contraction, I was like, stop fucking touching me. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. I feel bad for laughing. No, but... no, don't. And she just calmly pulled the ball away and put it away. And we laugh about it to this day. And, you know, I had to ask her afterwards and apologize, obviously. And she was just like, girl, I was like, okay. She doesn't need the ball. <laughs> She's good. She's, She's good. fine. Does labor get easier the second time? So the second pregnancy I had was a very complicated pregnancy. Mm. 
she ended up having what's called growth restriction. Mm. So she wasn't growing properly. And so I didn't, unfortunately, get a labor experience with her. Um, They ended up doing a planned C-section for Mm -hmm. me at 38 weeks. And so I wouldn't be able to tell you. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. What is some knowledge that you wish you had had during your first either pregnancy or during the actual experience of giving birth? I would really try to stress to myself that, you know, being really uncomfortable in those last few weeks of pregnancy and just being willing to do your own C-section because you're just so that Mm. over it is just a natural part of, you know, the pregnancy ending and to not rush it and to just try to let your baby come naturally and like understand what it is because I was so young and like the doctor was like, do you want to induce? And I was like, hell yeah, induce me, you know, Mm -hmm. but if I would have let my body gone naturally, it would have been a lot better and Mm. a lot smoother of a process. So yeah, that's definitely what I would have done differently. Okay. And because I feel like we might have said a few things that might've scared some people, I would like to end with what is the best part of pregnancy? Hmm. The baby. <laughs> the ba- oh, like no. The the, when the baby is successfully delivered. No, I really, really love the dynamics of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the bullshit, the literal shit, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, all of the, the beautiful moments, like, Pregnancy is something that I feel very grateful to have experienced. And I know that there's also a lot of people who don't necessarily get to experience that or it's a lot harder to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And they're probably listening to this like, you fucking bitch. Uh, You know, like, be grateful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for all of the craziness of being pregnant, it's just the miracle of knowing that I gave life. Mm Mm-hmm. And just, like, watching them grow from being little baby newborns to I have now a full 11-year-old, almost 12-year-old. Yeah, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the power of being a fucking great, bomb, phenomenal woman that procreated. Yeah. I love that. And that is the perfect place to wrap. Thank you again for sharing your experience. And I I just think it is really amazing and inspirational. And yeah, you're just a boss ass mom. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Of course. I enjoyed myself. This was fun. So much fun. (laughs) Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.